Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Welcome to the Merricks Podcast. I am Claudia Wessling, Director of Communications and Publications at the Mercator Institute for China Studies in Berlin. Um, as we are recording this podcast today, German Chancellor Angela Merkel is on her way to Washington. In her meetings with US President Joe Biden, China will very likely be one of the topics they discuss. I am today joined by Jan Weidenfeld. Jan is the Director of Policy and Advisory here at Merricks and one of the contributors to a new report by the Munich Security Conference, the Aspen Strategy Group and Marix. The study that is called Mind the Gap outlines priorities and provides recommendations for strategies to shape transatlantic China policy. Um, summits in June, uh, the G7, NATO and US top level meetings have shown that China is and will continue to be a crucial topic in transatlantic relations. Um, while we currently see the US pushing for a tougher stance towards China, German approaches could be described as more careful and less confrontational. Uh, one reason being the close economic ties that connect Germany and China today. But Jan is the expert here and um, Jan, great that you're joining me here today in our private little studio at Merricks. Um, could you tell me a little more about what the state of transatlantic China policy is at the moment? What are areas where interests uh, converge and what are bones of contention? Yeah, thanks for having me, Claudia. So I think uh, under the Biden administration, we have seen quite a step up in the exchanges between Europeans and uh, the US side on China. And some of them have borne some fruits. I mean, we saw at the G7 summit, but also at the EU-US summit and indeed the NATO summit, that there was a growing agreement on some of the critical topics in relation to China. So obviously with NATO for the first time, NATO would call China a systemic challenge. So clearly an alignment taking place there, which is not an easy feat given that interest among allies are quite different in that context, but also on some of the topical issues in relation to China. So for instance, at the G7 summit, we saw a major announcement on a transatlantic initiative to sort of counter the Belt and Road Initiative, and also in the context of the EU-US um, uh, negotiations or talks, I should rather say, we saw some interactions on tech issues um, and competing with China on tech. So clearly there is some progress and, and some willingness, and I think that's most important here, to work together on China. There's also disagreement very clearly. Um, and I think the two biggest differences are simply when, you know, the US talks about economic decoupling, you know, it means economic decoupling, whereas, you know, looking at most European corporates, it simply means, well, we need to relocate some of our R&D and, you know, production um, and indeed um, supply chains to China entirely to basically sort of, you know, deal with the outfall of economic decoupling. So there's actually a doubling down on the Chinese market. And then, of course, when you look at hard security issues and specifically security in the Indo-Pacific and Taiwan as a particular issue of concern at the moment, you know, the perspectives are again very different. The US is a Pacific nation. It is heavily invested militarily in the region. Now the, the UK and France have a moderate presence there. Germany, hardly any. Um, and of course also those interests. I mean, European countries care about the security of supply chains. And in that sense, you know, um, of course, Indo-Pacific is key. But, you know, I, I doubt they would confront China over an escalation in Taiwan, for instance, militarily. Um, and of course, that by default is then a major disagreement and a major difference in perceptions. 
So we have the US stressing security, um, the EU slash Germany stressing business. Um, in your opinion, what would be a feasible approach to better coordination on China between those two poles? Um, what should be the priorities over the, let's say, next year or 18 months? Well, I mean, there's different pillars to this, really. I mean, despite some discrepancies on how the economic relationship with China is perceived by the US and Europe, there's also a lot of uh, agreement on um, the need to call China out on its unfair market practices, both at home and indeed um, over competition in third markets. So, And I think there will be more happening in that space in terms of also potentially some action in the WTO, even though clearly the US side believes less in the organization than the Europeans still do. Then, of course, you know, there will also be more with a view to strengthening um, joint measures on economic security. So, for instance, greater emphasis on doing joint uh, reviews of the security of supply chains, for instance. Um, they're talking much more intensively now about um, agreement on what sorts of export controls to implement with a view um, to China. So, these are just two examples, really. I already mentioned connectivity. There clearly is a space where the EU has realized it needs to step up its game, so that the that's the US administration. Both sides are also talking a lot about sustainable infrastructure, a much bigger topic with Joe Biden than with his predecessor, of course, the necessity to build that, basically. So there's also some, some commonalities there, um, and I think we will see some very concrete movement after the G7 declaration on that front. And then, of course, um, both sides are working also intensively on the new NATO strategic concept, which will be uh, released in 2022. China is going to feature in that heavily. Um, and it's a very vivid debate at NATO at the moment about what sort of um, cornerstones of that NATO strategy with a view to China could be, both in terms of engaging China constructively on some of the global uh, challenges we face on the security scene, but also very clearly in terms of strengthening resilience vis-a-vis -vis China. We're talking critical infrastructure, we're talking disinformation campaigns here, and of course um, other issues of geostrategic significance like the Arctic, for instance. So a lot of homework to do for both sides. Um, uh, talking about connectivity, um, creating alternatives to China's Belt and Road Initiative has been elevated at the G7 summit just recently to the status of a priority for transatlantic China policy. Um, even though individual efforts by the US and uh, the EU in this space have been off to a slow start, one, one might say, even though we have seen some movement here, especially in Brussels just recently, um, how could transatlantic partners engage in meaningful cooperation in this space? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right to point out that, indeed, movement has been slow. Um, the EU already put out its connectivity strategy in 2018, clearly recognizing the geostrategic but also partially development challenge that China's BRI uh, poses in many parts of the world. Because, as we know, you know, some of these projects are quite beneficial to recipient countries, others less so, you know, when it comes to, for instance, to the accumulation of that or, indeed, unsustainable infrastructure being built, for instance, coal plants. So I think what transatlantic allies will focus on is uh, geographic priorities. So both sides agree pretty much that the Western Balkans, for instance, are such a geographic priority right on the doorstep of NATO um, and uh, of quite some strategic importance to, the, to Europe, but also quite honestly to the Americans. 
There's also the um, Europeans are pushing very hard for Africa being a geographic priority, um, and I think in that space there will also something happen. But I think what will be key is not only where will it happen, but also what will happen. And there clearly we're talking about sustainable infrastructure in terms of green energy infrastructure. I think allies will want to try to really put an alternative offer on the table to what the Chinese tend to um, offer. Um, and by the way, that also will have a strong um, digital component because that's an area of really joint concern on both sides of the Atlantic that China is rolling out digital infrastructure. That's a digital Silk Road, as it has come to known, and that that you know, comes with all sorts of issues, both with a view to cybersecurity, but indeed also the protection of data of individuals and recipient countries, you know, smart city concept, which raises all sorts of concerns about uh, sensitive data being collected in third countries and transferred back to China. So I think that will also be priority area. But the most important thing really now for both sides is to really have the resources in place, put the resources in place to actually implement priority projects. So it's not no longer only about coming up with what's important and identifying that, but it's really also putting money behind that. Um, and so um, the commission has just on um, Monday been tasked to do precisely that, priority projects, but then also come up with sustainable ways of financing. So let's hope that something happens in this space indeed over the next six to 18 months and that it will be closely coordinated with allies. Might be a tough task to embark on. Let's see what, uh, what will happen in this space. Um, let's maybe briefly throw a glance at German-China policy. We all know that uh, Angela Merkel is about to leave office um, in autumn or later that year um, after the new government comes in. Um, under her rule, German-China policy has mainly been geared towards safeguarding economic interests. This is simplifying, but I think at the end of the day, it's also true. Um, do you expect this to change after federal elections in Germany? And how might this then again affect transatlantic China policy? Yes, I, I think overall that assessment is probably true. And also with a view then to transatlantic China policy, Angela Merkel has certainly been cautious. I mean, during the Trump uh, presidency, of course, there was relatively little space for joint initiatives anyway. Now there's much greater trust uh, being reestablished with Joe Biden. Um, but also in Berlin, there's still quite a few folks who would say, well, let's see how this will play out in the long run. Is the US really back on a path where we can have a meaningful uh, joint agenda on China? Now, after the federal elections, um, the future of uh, German-China policy will, of course, very much depend on who will win that election. As things currently stand, we expect another Christian Democrat to have uh, the uh, chancellery, basically to hold the chancellery and to become chancellor, so effectively Armin Laschet. And he has already indicated that he would be pretty much aligned with the China policy Angela Merkel has been pursuing over the past few years. So indeed, looking very closely as, at industry and economic interests, you know, um, trying to collaborate where possible with the Chinese, but also sort of drawing a line where necessary. So in a way, it will be very much business as usual. In the currently, at least if we look at the polls, unlikely event of the Greens actually having the chancellery in the end and Annalena Baerbock becoming the chancellor of Germany, I think the picture will be quite different. Um, she has already indicated that she will want to redesign uh, German-China policy adapted to the new realities of indeed uh, much more systemic competition with China than we had in the past. Um, so clearly, the, the, I think the tonality of German-China policy will change quite, uh, or would in such a uh, scenario change quite a bit. 
In any case, I think no matter will, who will end up in the chancellery in the end, you know, it will actually, to a large extent, be China that will dictate the rules of engagement and China's behavior. And I think we are in for uh, a decade where political tensions will rise, where the uh, relationship will become more difficult, so not any easier, and where also increasingly industry will be looking at the downsides of economic engagement in China, you know, as um, competitive of China in a lot of industries uh, is actually increasing and uh, German corporates will also be increasingly probably crowded out of the market so um, we're in for change in any case no matter who will be in the chancellery it's just a matter of how quickly that will come about I suppose. So exciting times ahead <laughs> in, at all fronts one might Indeed. say. Uh, thank you for sharing your insights Jan uh, with us today and to all your listeners out there uh, the report Mind the Gap Priorities for Transatlantic China Policy compiled by Munich Security Conference, Aspen Strategy Group and Marix is available on our website www.marix.org and if you are interested in European China policy in general you'll find a lot of additional information on the topic and also the link to subscriptions for our monthly EU China briefing. Thank you all for listening and goodbye. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org. <laughs>